0: Welcome to the Loveland Libcast, the official podcast of the Loveland Public Library. Joining me today for this episode of the Loveland Libcast is Tajai and Danielle Cook. Thank you for being on the podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you for having us. I just shook my head as if
0: you could see it. <laughs> <laughs> they sensed it at home. I, <laughs> I hope they did. <laughs> this is awesome to have you both on the podcast because you both participated and really led two of our Black History Month events in February, where you came by and cooked and spoke with people. We had a, a kids yeah. or more, more children's oriented it was a lot session fun. and mm-hmm. then um, more... Adult, yeah, yeah kind mm-hmm. of yeah. family-oriented session. Yeah, so we we, did. we thought it'd be fun to have you back, and that way we can we can have a conversation. And for folks who missed out, they can also get to know you both and hear what the uh, chef has to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. and it was very popular. You all did a wonderful, exceptional job. People oh, were just a buzz at the library. And the in kids the made us look good. <laughs> <honestly.
1: Yeah. laughs> Their excitement alone <laughs> took it over.
0: <laughs> so I think yeah, people will be be interested in having something like this where they can uh, still get to know you both some and how about we start with just a bit of your backgrounds both you know coming to colorado yeah. I'm gonna, and i'm
1: gonna let the missus go first all right, right.
2: yeah oh okay <laughs> yeah. well then i guess starting i was actually born in colorado in denver but did not grow up here my mom was working for Pac bell at that time which every time that it branched off into a new company we moved So we went from Denver to Texas and then up and down the California coast before settling in Southern California. But I have family out here. The interesting part was that actually this one brought me out here because we both met in San Francisco when we were in college. And... Just were dating for a couple of months and ended up losing touch, or he officially broke up with me. But um,
1: <laughs> there's a lot more to the story, but <laughs> we're skipping ahead. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the right time. But yeah, so we, I moved back home to Southern California. He moved to Jamaica, and then on a whim, decided to move back here. And then I came out here to visit him, and I never left.
1: She came out here with one bag. Yes. Couple, wow. Couple change of clothes. Yeah I, w- yeah, I was
2: in transition of taking care of my and visiting my her, grandfather who was in Arkansas at the time. Her
1: parents were not happy. No. He all. kidnapped
2: me. That's the yeah. official statement. That's that's that's
1: what her father used against me.
0: I would have lost if I went to court. But yeah. And were were you in Denver when you're growing up in Colorado
2: I mean for the three months yeah like it was like literally just three months I just know that we I was born at the memorial hospital that's now Gen- Denver general and then after three months we moved to Dallas Texas so I don't even know exactly where I was
1: okay but well, the actually funny thing is she works right across the street from the hospital that she was born at
2: yeah oh so wow that is funny yeah, yeah. And, and where we used to live in cambridge apartments in glendale is actually where a lot of my family so my mother and aunts and uncles were all born in kansas city missouri but then when they moved here when they were young in nine ten, they all lived in that same area so they grew up they've grown up in park hill and five points and then also really settled in the glendale area so that was really they knew about that area before we came out here but it's definitely changed over time you know yeah. from when oh sure yeah i've heard the <laughs> stories. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that transitions pretty well over to you because when we both met each other, we were both psych majors just going to different colleges. And when I came out here, I started as a temp job and, and Taj was working in, in Big Five and Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think you can go ahead and take it from there.
1: Yeah. Background on me. I'm a complicated soul, Daniel. I think anybody who gets to know me either scratched your head and, uh, you know, make some wonder. You know what I mean? Well, Born in Kingston, Jamaica. My father's parents raised me. Um, I've been living with them since I was two years old. Betty and Mr. Tabby Cook. And uh, my old man, when I came to America, when I was around 10, turning 11, I lived in New York for quite some time. My dad was a roadie in the music business. Like He threw stage shows, block parties, then eventually became a tour manager and a road manager. So he tour managed a lot of major... Bands, so you're talking everyone from Bad Boys label, Puffy, the whole family, the Marley family, the whole family, Dave Matthews, Spearhead, and so on. You know, even going all the way back to George Clinton. You know what I mean? On the Funkadelics. You know, or the Parliament Funkadelics. You know what I mean? Well, I guess what can I say? Background. I met my wife. I th- I think it's my my youth growing up was rough. So rehashing. The stories and the memories from there, it always kind of feels like, you know, just a knife in the back to yourself a little bit, you know, because you want to leave it in the past. You know what I mean? But it never hurts to talk about it, right? But but no, where I come from, my background is a little bit more rough than a normal individual. Coming from Kingston, Jamaica, not many individuals survive coming out of Jamaica. Um, but fortunately, I had family and friends who invested in the individual that I am, that made sure that they had a hand in the way that I am going to be. So yeah, I I, kind of grew up a little different, but my background led me to where I am, yeah.
0: Why did you choose Denver to come back and- Denver chose me. (laughs) Oh, okay. Being real, (laughs) I was, uh,
1: so I, just like what she was saying, we were together, we were talking. But I, I want to say it together, but I couldn't even invite her to my place because the day I invited her to my place, she said no. And then when she wanted to come to my place, it wasn't that time. Uh-huh. Y- you know what I
2: mean?
1: <laughs> <laughs> we can go there.
2: See, bad timing. Yeah, but, <laughs> but
1: I was studying psychology. And uh, I had a mental break. I ended up going a little too far, and uh, not realizing what psychology is, because you can't study psychology and become a therapist or someone that try to help people with their problem when you have your. You get what I mean? It's 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 to me you're you're a hypocrite. So I couldn't address what I've been going through for so many years. The older I got. I addressed it. Now it's a thing of the past, but obviously still hurts every now and then. You get what I mean? But uh, I ended up moving back to Jamaica to Araka Bessa. And uh, I was touring and I was a tour manager, one of the youngest tour managers in in the whole damn world um, for Grammy winning band Morgan Heritage, which are Pizza Morgan, Gramps Morgan, Yuna Morgan, Mojo Morgan. And he's going to kill me. Luke yes, Morgan. Luke. There you go. Luke. Um, that's the whole Morgan family. But um, I tour managed with these guys for quite some time. And that's when she and I reconnected. I was in Araka Bessa, like 30 minutes outside of Ocho Rios. And I was online printing off my tickets off of Yahoo Messenger, our Yahoo internet, our Yahoo email when I got on. And uh, Yahoo Messenger popped up and I saw D. Gibson McRae. And I'm like, who is this? And it was like, it's Danielle. And next me, you know, it led to this. Reconnected. But that's right before I flew to San Thomas, the Belize. We traveled the whole Caribbean majority of Europe and uh, South America. It was a beautiful tour, but after that tour my dad looked at me and was like, "Dude, you're you're 18, turning 19. You can't do this for the rest of your life." When I was 18, turning 19, I was figuring out figuring out what I wanted to do. And you know, his thing is just because I built this life, it doesn't mean that you can just come fall into it. You need to figure out what you want to do. And honestly, I'm happy that he did that because if he didn't do that, I wouldn't I would probably be in the same place. Being real, I would have gotten comfortably in the music business and I would have continued it. Being real, it was it was comfortable. I was making a lot of money. My hotel rooms were paid for. My travel expenses were paid for. I had a per diem on a daily basis. The hell did an 18-year-old really need? You get what I mean when you're waking up in Belize at 7 o'clock in the morning after just flying from St. Thomas to Virgin Islands the day before? You get what I mean? All you got to do is get up and print some papers and tell a band to go on stage and count some money and then do it again. That's literally my thought. It was easy to do it. But uh, my old man wanted to reset. He wanted me to figure out the hell I wanted to do. So he was dating a woman at the time and her son, his name is No. Noah lives out here and he owns his own business. He's a painter. Noah is an amazing person, him and his woman, Kelly. um, They have two beautiful kids. Before they had kids, when they were just a young couple, just like me and Danielle, he took me in into a second bedroom. Me and their St. Bernard slept on the fold-out bed. Marie, rest in peace, she drooled all over me. And that encouraged me to get my place quickly. It did. You know, when you're waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning with a 150-pound St. Bernard on your head, it makes you want to get your own place very fast. (laughs) So I had my own apartment within the first three months of moving out here. Um, But it was a tiny studio apartment. And but. uh, uh, yeah, it's it's that's my background, man. That's what brought me out here. Denver, I came to Denver over 10 years ago with nothing. I mean, nothing whatsoever other than a couple pairs of pants, a couple pairs of shoes, no furniture, nothing. And it just shows you, like, if, if you just stay committed, take your time to figure out what you want to do. You'll end up finding it or it will end up finding you. I, I actually have a lot of faith.
2: When we first started, we came here. We were on our own and i was you know looking for work he was working two jobs and i guess the joke
1: up, about jamaicans you normally have two or three jobs yeah it's, so he fit yeah, the bill don't don't mean to interrupt <laughs> but yeah yeah
2: but he wasn't happy and no. he wasn't getting very many hours at the job that he was working so mm-hmm. the one time that he was happy was when he was cooking mm-hmm. and all the stories he would tell me of his grandmother were of her cooking or of the time that she taught him how to grow his own kidney beans in the backyard and mm-hmm. he threw them up and until they sprouted and then she made a beautiful bowl of rice and peas with his little eight kidney beans in there it was only eight <laughs>
1: kidney beans I, she gave me like I, the, she gave me one red kidney bean one day and she was like I'm like mama how does it grow and she was like it grows on a tree and she was like just go put it in the dirt around the corner and I was like yeah and I went over there and I dug a hole and put it in the dirt I cleared the weeds some around it and within a couple of days you saw a sprout come up and I thought it was grass <laughs> and within a couple more days and weeks you saw this plant started growing and i started losing my mind and my grandmother taught me how to water it and keep the weeds from growing around it and i even got some popsicle sticks and put around it as a little fence and uh a tree came from it <laughs> and ate like 10 beans 10 red kidney beans came from it and just like my wife said my grandmother made like a tiny little pot of coconut rice and peas you know and uh that was my own pot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so it's, like, yeah. as
2: you can see, his it, it just has sparked his passion yeah. when he would speak about that. Every time that we were we were at home, our favorite times were in the kitchen. Yeah. yeah. So it went from him actually working, his last non-kitchen job, yeah. was working at for Frontier Airlines selling credit cards. Yes, And at that time, he yeah. ended up meeting someone, meeting one of the owners of I, Mesa Verde.
1: I met the chef, the, the, the executive chef, yeah. chef of Mesa Verde. And um, Mesa Verde, obviously called what, the, the green table? Yes. or the, Yeah, the, the Mesa Verde, right? Yes, the so green table. Okay, green table in Spanish. Okay, table <laughs> yeah. in Spanish. And um, they were on Concourse, they are on Concourse A, one of the busiest restaurants out at DIA. Now, I've worked in oh restaurants in the past as as a kid but i was in back of house i mean back of house i was prep i was dishwasher i was just peeling some tomatoes and some onions that was really it i was not working the line and um this man saw that he said you know obviously you can tell that you, you don't have any kitchen restaurant experience but he was like show me that you can cook and he was like cook me your best dish and bring it to me and i went home and i cooked curry chicken and rice now I wasn't making my own curry powder at that time. We were buying it from the store like everyone else. And um, this was just dinner that I would make for me and my wife. They literally just you know? for you, for us. And uh, I brought him some curry chicken and he tasted it and he just looked at me. I just remember I was in my Frontier gear all spiffied up ready to sign up a few people and he was dirty as hell greasy and I just wanted to just be in a circle and um, he just tasted the food and he was like all right when can you start and um, I was like for real and he was like yeah when can you start I'm like so where am I gonna start I told him how much I was getting paid I was getting paid respectfully at Frontier but you know obviously it's what it was what do you call respectful when you have to sign up people for credit cards and you have to sign away their life and I just felt guilty doing that you know so I I immediately put in my two weeks immediately that same day. Yeah, he started me out on the the pantry. So I was making salads and tacos and taquitos and dropping chicken wings in the fryers. And I I was working out at DIA as a young cook. You know, it was a hell of an opportunity. And then I got fired again. (laughs) I got fired a month later on Valentine's Day. (laughs) But I'm being honest, what the chef told me when he let me go, he said, you know, the only reason I'm letting you go is because you can't keep up in the kitchen. He was like, you need to go out and learn the proper kitchen techniques that will allow you to keep up. He was like, One, about you loving food, that is not a question. He was like, About you wanting to be here, that is not a question. But he was like, But I need you to be able to push food out. He was like, Unfortunately, this isn't a school. You know what I mean? Garrett, uh, Chef Garrett, really good guy. I mean, Garrett was the first African American chef that I worked for.
2: He's the only.
1: He was the only. <laughs> Next Af- to Lester. Next to Lester. But yeah, Garrett was the first young African-American chef that I worked for. He was in his young 20s and he could tell that this was what he was going to do for the rest of his life. He knew that. You get what I mean? Yeah. And his thing is, Taj, is like, go out and go learn some skills. Go learn, go work in the kitchen for like two, three months and come back and I'll hire you. Obviously, I did not go back. <laughs> but, but that right there, what he told me, it showed me when he let me go, showed me that I, I knew I made the right decision, I think, <laughs> and I didn't suck as much as I thought I did, <laughs> even though I was being let go of that day. And, um, but what he showed me that the chef had faith in me. That's what it showed me. It showed me that the chef, who had been doing this for so long, he had faith in me, And because he had faith in me, I continued being real.
0: Yeah. So you were, they let you go. And it sounds like it was just basically just the speed of getting yeah. food out. Well, it's, that's they're, a, they're making that's a over intense environment at well, in the airport. <laughs> exactly. They're making over
1: $20,000 a day at the airport. The every five minutes, if imagine you go in, you have a flight to catch. You're not going to sit down for more than 25 minutes. So the turnover in the restaurant in the airport is it's high, very fast. So that means you have cooks that are just consistently pushing out food. And as a young cook, it's challenging. It's very challenging. And especially a young cook that's never gone to culinary school. It's even more challenging. But going into it for the love of it is really what got me started. It's just for the love of it. And even after that torture that I had at DIA, I didn't leave. There was
2: so much more than that. Well, it's
1: more than that. But 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 DIA, it, it showed me because either I could have quit right away right away after that and and gone back and did what I wanted to do, you know, which I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. But for the chef, again, for the chef to have faith in me is what really gave me the energy I needed to at least, because my thing is when he told me that, that you can come back, I was prepared to go back. I came back with the intention to go work in restaurants and go back to DIA. But after a while, the energy shifted. You know what I mean? Um, I've worked in everything from Sodexo's Eden Recovery Center, where I was working with anorexic and bulimic patients. Individuals that were weighing anywhere between 75 pounds to 600 pounds. You know what I mean? Individuals who were afraid of eating or individuals who loved eating too much or individuals who didn't know how to eat. You know what I mean? Working in this place, it opened my eyes a lot to how important food is, how important what we eat matters. Don't get me wrong, the cheeseburger is amazing, but should you have six cheeseburgers a week, it sounds amazing, but should you have six cheeseburgers a week? You get what I mean. Should you not incorporate healthy ingredients into your food? Should you not educate your kids about what they're eating, how they should eat properly, so kids don't grow up in fear of food or in fear of certain things? You know what I mean. That's kind of where my mindset went when it went to Sodexo and the Eden Recovery Centers. I worked for both the Eden Recovery Center, the Children's Hospital St. Joseph's off of Seventeenth uh, and Franklin downtown Denver, as well as the Eden Recovery in Laurie in. Close to Stapleton. It was a hell uh, of uh, an eye-opener, I would say. But my my mindset shifted, especially when she got sick as well. She was diagnosed with gastritis over two years ago. And she weighed around 300 pounds around that marker. And she's now down to around 190 close to 200, which I would much rather her be, you know, but, um, we had to change her diet. We had to flip it on its head. We had to look at what she was eating and how it was affecting her looking at spicy food, acidic food on how it affects her and how the bio in her stomach was being reacted or reactive to the acid that was being added. But yeah, I think, uh, being a chef now, my mind has shifted. It's, it's gone to the ingredients, what we put into our body, how we should eat, how we should educate the community on how we should eat and also food scarcity, you know, um, Attacking the communities that needs food. You have families that are trying to raise, just raise their kids. You have parents that are trying to raise their kids, send them to school. And how the hell can they send them to school when they don't have lunch? How the hell can you send them to school when you don't know if they're going to have dinner? You get what I mean? Personally speaking, I think America, I I love this country, but it's a little bit of a disgrace to, to see hungry people walking around when you have Teslas floating right by. Forgive me.
0: My eyes are wide open. That kind of leads us into what what is your your chef practice like now? And, and yeah, and if if you don't mind getting into some of the, the yeah. community things
1: that yeah, I we, will. we mentioned the library, but uh, yeah, but current chef practices, what we're doing, it's it's we do a lot. I, I think, as I said, our eyes are open. Just working throughout the business, realizing what the importance of food, the importance of our roles as chefs in the community means, even the importance that you have as the individuals that help to connect the dots. You know what I mean? Because all of us play a very vital role. You know what I mean? But now we're about to open up a food hall in Arvada. This is going to be the first food hall of its kind, honestly speaking. We're going to try to use this as an incubator for chefs, Cooks, businesses, uh, small businesses, big businesses, it doesn't matter, but it's all about community. It's all about connection. Um, In this food hall, we're gonna have numerous vendors that's gonna bring a different style of cuisine, something different to the table, something for the community that's affordable, something that is delicious and memorable. These are the things, the notes that we need to hit on now. You know what I mean? We need to, it's not what's on the plate. It's not how you put it on the plate. It's, it's really starts from the farmers about how it was grown, mm-hmm. how it was raised. You know what I mean? And then when it comes down to the chef, it's how they make it. You know what I mean? The pretty sauce that is wiped and then the three dots with a dash of powder doesn't make sense to me anymore. Don't get me wrong. I do it to make it look pretty. But ingredients <laughs> underneath that is what really counts. You get what I mean? That's, that's, that's kind of where I'm going.
2: Well, creating the experience for, being, for someone to even say, hey, what yeah. is that dot? I yeah. think that's the, the best part when he talks about the community connection. It's so taking a step back a little bit. Yeah. I think Taj's biggest shift has been intentionality in all sorts. So not just what's on the plate, but also even who's in the kitchen. It matters. So, it wow, really does. Right. So it does. last year with our supper clubs and dinners, we invited different chefs from around, you know, around Colorado yeah. to come and cook. And to come up with creative menu ideas, to which also created just unique experiences for every single dinner.
1: We even try to make sure that each dinner was based around some form of topic that was going on within the community in some form of way. We raised over thirty-five thousand dollars for Sophie's neighborhood by putting on a few dinners, what four dinners total, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, and we raised over thirty-five thousand dollars for Sophie's neighborhood. That's uh, Chef Jose Rosenberg's daughter. Jose Rosenberg owns uh, Black Belly Bistro in Boulder. His daughter Sophie. Was diagnosed with a very rare bone disease. Her bones are literally deteriorating within her body. And this four-year-old is one of the strongest little girls I've personally ever seen. It's coming from someone who's gone through hell of its own. You know what I mean? Each of us have our own story, but to see this little girl go through her own hell and be the angel that she is, I think is beautiful. Her her energy is gorgeous. It's it's contagious. She gives her parents the energy they need to push. I see that. I really see that. As much as they give the energy for her to push, she gives them that power, that energy. That little girl is a spunk, you know what I mean? And um, for us to raise $35,000 plus for her nonprofit to help to find a cure, be one of the many individuals out there who are trying to lend a hand, I think it was beautiful. We've done dinners around farmers. Our friend's farm, Miller Farms, was hit by a tornado last year. We immediately tried to put on a barbecue for the 4th of July. It's just, I, I think all of our work has, has come together in, in in a beautiful way. In Jamaica, they have a saying, out of many, we're one. And the reason why I love this saying, it's it's because in Jamaica, you have Africans, you have Indians, you have Spaniards who were left over, you have English who was left over, you have Tejanos who fled their lands when they were being massacred, who came to the Caribbean, you have so many different individuals from so many different parts of the world that literally came to this melting pot of Jamaica and came together. Honestly speaking, so out of many, we are one. And if the world was to adapt the same, I think a lot of us could live a lot better. You know what I mean? So that's the foundation for my business, for our business. Out of many, we're one. That's how we try to operate with everyone. In Colorado, there's many of us. But if we try to operate as one, imagine how we could be. You get what I mean? All this work, it came together into Miss Betty's Cooking. It came together in Supper Club. And now it's it's about to harness itself and root itself in Freedom Street. Freedom Street Social is going to be where we're going to be based. Hopefully continue the work that we're doing, bringing this incubator into this community of Arvada. You have over 20,000 residents that are living within a 10-mile radius of Freedom Street with not many food options when it comes to dining. You know what I mean? Other than a fast food restaurant. You know, but when it comes to small businesses, you know, none of us are there. You know what I mean? So with that being said, you're going to have 12 chefs that we're going to bring in in one year. We're going to take care of their food costs, take care of their labor, have them work with the youths in the community have them lend a hand. You had kids that were shot in front of their schools in Aurora. We can't just sit aside and, and, and not do anything just because we're a couple communities over. The one thing that I've always tried to preach is that our community, it's it's. Greater than the road that we live on, it's larger than the community we reside in. It's the whole damn world. Whether it's red dirt or dry dirt or black sand, it doesn't really matter, so yeah.
0: Freedom Street is that—that's the name of the food hall. Then? That yes. is the name
1: of the food hall. It's Freedom Street Social. It's going to be located in Arvada for Candelas. But as I said, as Daniela said, it's—it's it's all of our work over these last few years. It's—it's it's brought this together, mm-hmm. and the partners of Giordano's Pizza for the vision that they had, and for them to want us to be a part of this project, I think is beautiful. And uh, now we're looking to have six locations in the next uh, three, four years. So I think that's a beautiful
0: thing. And Freedom Street Social is their time frame. For when it will June. Be June, June, okay. And Hit us in up. the
2: meantime, go to the website of freedomsofusocial Freedom yeah. or on our Instagram account as well.
1: As Miss Betty's grandson on Instagram, or uh, Miss Betty's Supper Club on Instagram. Um, uh, yeah, they can get all the information. But but we're coming.
0: So right now, are you are you all kind of deciding what chefs will be involved or what, yeah. what kind of places? And and that's for a putting together the calendar food.
1: right now of schedule. Obviously, I want a lot of if not all Colorado chefs on that calendar. But we're going to bring in chefs from everywhere. Chefs from North Carolina, chefs from New Orleans. Uh, I'm even having conversations with the Chef Mariam from uh, London, England. We have chefs that I'm talking to that are coming in from Ghana next year. I want to bring in the whole world. I, I, I basically, I consider the chef residency basically a passport. You know what I mean? It's it's the passport for any community that it goes into, um, and it brings it to the doorstep of that community. And right now, we're going to bring it to the doorstep of Arvada, you know. So each stuff is going to be just a stamp. So yeah, it should be fun.
0: That's awesome. So and people can go to to freedomstreetsocial right yes, now. They can. Okay. Yeah.
2: I mean, the roster, of course, has not been released yet. So still under work. Still, there will be
0: a whole announcement there. It's but still under the
1: wraps. So we'll announce yeah. it very soon.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they can they can just keep their eye on it. Yeah, and especially probably and and May, always remember there might be some. Um, exactly. Well, we we're going to make I'll the announcement, by the,
1: well, hopefully okay. by the end of April. But uh, each chef is going to be a different cuisine. Each chef is going to be a total different experience. And it's nothing's ever going to be the same. It's ever every month is going to be something totally different. But each opportunity it's to give another chef an opportunity to grow their brand, to connect more with the community, to just to build more in a positive basis you know what i mean so i'm personally just quite excited to to do this and yeah that's where we're
0: at yeah no that sounds (laughs) incredibly exciting and especially yeah yeah, in the summer that
1: it's just to just to continue the work that we've been doing you know over the last few years we fed over 20,000 people across colorado in the last what three years our goal at freedom street is to just now we're going to have a base to continue all this work that we've been doing you know what i mean before it's giving events exactly
2: yeah yeah for oh, every for year that we take over food halls in yeah. order to, and just get a bunch of volunteers from chefs to just mm-hmm. community members, of, you know, citizens. Yeah, <laughs> Now As we're non- going to be able to folk. throw our
1: own food hall into the, into yeah. the hat. And so, yeah.
2: we, just to cook up and provide warm meals for yeah. Thanksgiving. But that's not the only time that we're helping out. Kind of the question of, well, how does cooking get us involved? It's really about. Knowing that it's everyone's job to help your community. Yes. There's always a role that we can play.
1: Always ask, the one thing I've learned is ask, what can I do for you? It's, that's the one thing that I, that's, I've kind of dug a hole for myself <laughs> a little bit. It's, it's, I need to get that tattooed across my head now. But I've learned asking, what can I do for you? That's the genuine truth. And, and we've asked that question and people need help.
2: We've gotten some answers. You get what I mean? People yeah.
1: people need help. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that, uh, I, that some of us have the resources, but we don't use it. I just think right now, coming out of 2020, our eyes got open. You got to see the true colors of our community. The real true colors. The negative and the positive. Whether it's the individuals that were hoarding toilet paper <laughs> or the individuals, forgive me, that were marching in the streets to hear their voices heard.
2: And to protect their neighbors. And to
1: protect their neighbors or the ones who took that and started destroying their own communities, whatever it is. We got to see the true colors coming out of 2020. Now, it depends on how we want to go forward. How do we want to operate going forward? Do you want to operate as an independent entity by yourself, closed off? Or do you want to work together with the individuals around you? Because you see a lot more good that comes from that. We saw so much that came out of 2020 that the world is starting to realize how we can operate. Even in the restaurant industry, food delivery, alcohol delivery from the restaurants directly to the home. Now that is a litigation that is actually now they're trying to keep that as a law where restaurants are allowed to do this going forward. You get what I mean? You had restaurants that started using the extra space on the sidewalk, right? You started the expansion and they started thinking outside the box about what we can do. 2020 forced us to think. It forced us to use this brain that's on top of this body. You know what I mean? Yeah. It forced us to, to think outside the box and to take away that, the excuses that we would make for ourselves. The excuse to not connect more with that neighbor. The excuse to stay away from this person because we're wondering what they do. You know what I mean? The, we it just, it forced us. So for me, I took that as, as a challenge. I love a good challenge, you know? So, so let's go, you know? So so we have to do better that's the genuine truth we just have to do better you know my granddad used to say one hand can't clap one wing cannot flap and without that none of us are going to take flight so for us to get above all the animosity all of the trouble all of the turmoil all of this hate misunderstanding the questions that is lingering we have to work together that's where supper club that's where miss betty's cooking that's where miss betty's granddaughter miss betty's grandson that's where we come and play yes. you know what i mean we, yeah. we, we try to be that bridge that is in between because just like how we feed the, our, our community throughout the holidays, right? We are the bridge to the connection of the ingredients that they can't get. That's all that we do. We bridge getting the resources, having making the phone calls to our farmer friends, to our pig farmer friends who are down here, to Redbird, who we know the owner, and not many people can say that. And we can make these phone calls, send these emails, these text messages, and next thing you know, you have three pigs, you have 200 pounds of potatoes. We just pull out a SOS, You get what I mean? So if we can be that bridge, we're going to continue
0: being that bridge. That's really, I think that's where it's at. Thank you for that clarification and inspiration for what you all do, what you're both involved in, and especially the Freedom Street social, what's, what's coming up. And I really hope people look into that and then they also think about in June, in the yes. summer, coming down to yes. actually eat and please and, see and what's support going on. these
1: these chefs that are coming in and try their food and uh, just know my roster of chefs are going to be elite. <laughs> <laughs> just oh, know that. Yeah. So they, so this do, is just a warm up,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, and that's so awesome that it'll that it will rotate and so people can just keep coming back and, and try trying new things.
1: Oh yeah, yeah man. We have a, a old English lady that's going to come in for Christmas and she's going to bake you some cookies. You know, it's it's going to be fun.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was there for the the library event the one mm-hmm. that was for more for an adult crowd mm-hmm. uh for older not older older than children I guess <laughs> <laughs> and and uh you you were giving them advice and you know just kind of talking about cooking and helping people see themselves as cooks because they are and yeah. and I was Just hoping that maybe you could share (laughs) any of that insight or what you remember or what you don't remember or just what what you tell people who, you know, are are not confident in themselves or, or don't think about the food they eat. Well, it's, it's, it's more,
1: be willing to try something new. Um, you gotta ignite inspiration in some form of way. Like what's your favorite thing to eat? You know what I mean? Uh, my favorite thing to eat are ramen and pho, right? In college, we used to just take some ground beef and saute some ground beef with some leeks and garlic and build the broth and toss in some ramen noodles and some soy sauce and some chili and you're in heaven. The older you get into this field, you start realizing that fish sauce goes a long way. But be willing to try something new. Don't be afraid to to fry that egg sunny side up and cook it on a low heat with a little bit of butter and and not flip it you know what I mean I don't know it's it's when it comes to food and when it comes to cooking getting out of one's comfort zone it really matters and my advice to anyone including some of my students that I had up at Loveland Library, I guess you would say my <laughs> attendees um it's it's it's, it's just get out of your wheelhouse, your normal wheelhouse. You know, if you see a place that you've always wanted to try, and you're walking past it, stop. Go in there and try something new. Go to that Asian market and try a piece of that crispy duck. You know, or or for you, uh, Mr. Daniel, who love veggies, go find your favorite farmer and see what they're growing. I give you my word, it's something beautiful, something delicious that you can probably eat. You know, cooking it's all about experimentation, and it's all about, to me, subtle use. Of the ingredients around you you know try not to to think too far outside the box but at the same time don't be too comfortable and complacent you know with what you know you My can love? keep
2: it simple but yeah it's funny, like, you can go such a long way beyond just the salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. Just adding in a few more ingredients, mm-hmm. and you really have a flavor at this point. I think the biggest thing I completely agree with you, going to a place where you've always wanted to go, but you weren't quite sure. Yeah, Especially the ones that smell a little bit off. Because and the ones a little bit odd. Yeah, the ones yeah. the ones that are a little bit off the beaten yeah. path. And then ask, this is really good. How, what What, what is this? Because that's when you'll realize that, oh, actually, I thought that I didn't like, like bean curds, but I actually eat that all the time and didn't realize yeah. it the more you learn what is in front of you the more you're able to play with it and then also find the things that are weird too like yeah. find like feed phil is that it what feeding phil
1: yes feeding phil on netflix he is the writer of the ray romano show so you remember everybody loves raymond yeah he wrote everyone loves raymond and, and curb your he, enthusiasm. he literally is should be one of the characters on everyone loves raymond I give you my word. I love this man. I can't wait to meet him. But I would probably have trouble with him being at my dinner table.
2: But he's a happy <laughs> he weirdo that literally has a TV show <laughs> and he goes around tasting different food. Yeah. And so I mean, if you think about like the first one, Andrew Zimmern, when he mm-hmm. started with Bizarre Foods, yeah. food was seen as something so strange. Yeah but now when you're looking at it and and just being able to experience that from other cultures is so important because one, you get to learn more about other people outside of yourself and then two, it also helps you to see how much of the world you may not realize or know and then that's what's really going to get you into it is getting you to ask those questions which gets you beyond what you already only know in your mind which also stops you in thinking well, I I can't cook because I only know like eggs but if you realize how many ways that eggs are used across the world
1: I think these are the little things things that we need. I, I have cooks right now that I'm showing them around town. They don't know the places around town because they stay within their comfort zone. You're talking cooks that and been in this business for 10 to 15, 20 plus years, and they call themselves chefs, and they are. But to me, you have to know what's around. I'm taking them to, for example, you have Arash Market that is up in Aurora. Arash Market, when you go to Arash, you're going to find feta cheese that is just soaked in olive oil. So many different options behind this glass counter. Olives, so many different varieties that are just soaking in olive oil and brine that's waiting for you to try. You have so many different slices of meat and bread and rice, and I just feel like I'm in heaven. You know, you go to H Mart and you just go stand there in front of the fish counter, and you don't know what you want if it's a red snapper, if you want a walleye, if you want a haddock, if you want a halibut, if you want a swordfish, a beltfish, they have every single thing you need. So it's more of getting out of your comfort zone. Get out. Don't stay with what you know, because I promise you, there's so many different ingredients that you're going to find weird and quirky and a little bit odd, but probably delicious. Mm -hmm. You get what I mean? Oh yeah. And some of those are the best ones. So, So it's just more going down that marker. But no, Black History Month up at Loveland was amazing opportunity was great. My advice to Anyone who is cooking, including the attendees there, including those beautiful youngins, those kids, the, the the future generation. You had one young lady, one young girl that said that she makes dinner every Monday for her family. I think that's fantastic. I think, again, pushing us out of our comfort zone, teaching the younger generation to not be afraid of certain things. And
2: to feed their passion.
1: Exactly. That's really all that it is, man. So if you like burritos, how many different kind of burritos out there? It's not just a burrito from Mexico. Mexico. I give you my word. And when you go to Mexico, they probably don't eat burritos. I give you my word that as well. Burritos are more in America. So it's more understanding. Understanding the world a lot better. I think when you understand food and when you go out of your way to understand food, you're understanding the people behind the food. I've dived into Asian cuisine and now I feel more in touch, so in touch with the Asian culture, with the Asian people. One of my favorite restaurants is Fadui. We know the owners very well. Every time we go there, they come to our table and say, hello, I want to plan a pop-up with the sun over there viet is one of our new favorite restaurants and the only thing i can say is their crusted blue crab is amazing oh my god just all i'm saying is just my my honest opinion when it comes to food is just be open-minded take no out of your vocabulary instead put okay i'll try well, just op- open
2: to curiosity yeah, exactly yeah you
1: know it doesn't have to be an immediate yes you know it doesn't
0: but just you know I'll try it you know just take no out that's it yeah it, it's funny that is a very similar thing I say to people about reading you yeah. know mm-hmm. when they ask me for something to read or try because as as a reader myself I like to try I like to say I've never read this type of book yeah mm-hmm. I don't normally read and so it's just that variety anything it Opens you up to different points of view. You never know. Yeah, exactly. And you you never know what story is really going to touch you in a way. And it's like taste. You don't know Mm -hmm. what kind of tastes are really going to move you you, or excite you. Yeah, exactly. Until you or allow yourself to be curious and to, to broaden. Exactly. It's
1: all about just, just, just changing your perspective in some form of fashion. Mm-hmm. So you can enjoy the world a lot better.
2: Exactly.
1: That's a genuine truth. A lot of people don't realize that if you change your perspective just a tiny bit, you can enjoy life so much better. You can enjoy the world so much better. That can't and that, that I won't. Attitude that demeanor is going to go in away, and you're going to be a lot more vulnerable and nothing is wrong with being vulnerable at all vulnerable to a new cuisine, vulnerable to a new place, vulnerable to a new surrounding. Just make sure it's a positive vulnerable
0: <laughs> before we kind of wrap this up. Do either of you have recommendations you did you mentioned one show, but are there any any other cooking oh. shows or podcasts yeah. or books that you that so. you really like so there is one cookbook that uh to this day, I still haven't finished it, but
1: it's one of my most... It's one, it, this cookbook I'm fascinated by. It's, it's called Faviken by Magnus Nielsen. Magnus Nielsen, he's a chef that is, I, I believe like he's in the middle of Norway or some, some Atlantic region. He has to forage for the ingredients that he cooks. So everything that he cooks at his restaurant, they forage for. Whether it's the piece of pine leaf or pine cone, baby pine cone that they take and boil in a syrup to extract that flavor. I didn't know baby pine cone was edible until I found my Magnus, you know? Um, the reason why I say I haven't finished this cookbook is because I think I'm enjoying it too much and it, it makes me scratch my head, because it's it's not normal. He, he breaks down on how to forage, he breaks down on the ingredients, he breaks down when you can pick the ingredients in the season. He goes down into the intricacy of foods where our ancestors had this information, and he's passing this on to us. You know what I mean? So, Favakin is one of my, honestly, I would say one of my most challenging, intriguing, fascinating cookbooks <laughs> yeah. out there. I have to be quite honest with you, um, Magnus Nielsen. And uh, you can honestly, so they have a on Netflix, they have a show called Chef's Table. Chef's Table is a show that every episode is about a chef whether it's Magnus, whether it's Grant Atkiss from Chicago, whether it's Mike and Pollen, whoever it is. Chef's Table is an amazing docu-series and uh, Magnus is one of the chefs that are on there. You also have Enrique Oliveira from um, Mexico City that have the living mole. Basically, it's a mole that just goes around year after year and you kind of want to bathe your body in it, you know what I mean, from the way it looks. Chef's Table is amazing. Honestly, um, I can go on. Uh, You have Daniel Hum, 11 Madison. Um, Daniel Hum is one of my other favorites. He runs a restaurant in New York City. It's right across the street from Central Park. Yep, right across the street from there in the middle of 2020. He literally changed over his entire restaurant and he basically just feeds health workers now that's all that he did he fed the whole health staff he felt the community and he recently recently just reopened back his doors for regular service you know what i mean daniel hum he comes from chefs such as thomas keller his type of food is white tablecloth and for me personally i have two of his books well, one of his books, I'm about to get the second one. The man is uh, just fascinating. I mean, completely fascinated. And when you can do that, it shows your character. And he also made sure that his staff kept their job. No one left. No one um, lost their job. And, you know, whether he had to send his employees home with food and a half a paycheck every day or something, everyone got a piece of the pie. And he made sure of it. The last one I'm going to recommend is Johan Uh Johan Odolenghi is honestly one of my favorite current writers and cookbook authors. Johan Odolenghi, this man is amazing, he's from Israel, and his backstory is fascinating. He had to leave his country because of his sexuality, which for me is awful, but he showed them how successful he could be. He's written plenty, plenty more, he's written Jerusalem, Uh, he has a new dessert cookbook that recently came out called Sweets, if I remember correctly, but Johan Odolenghi is honestly one of my favorite current authors. Yeah, it's it's there's so much inspiration out there. I think right now, as I said, twenty twenty I believe opened up our eyes. You have grandmas in the middle of East Oakland, Philadelphia, Texas, Houston right now that are turning their yards into basically urban farms. You have pigs that are running around in the middle of Detroit right now. You have chickens that are running across the street in East Oakland right now to go visit their neighbors. You know, you know, maybe not that dramatic, but but <laughs> but the point that I'm trying to make is that our eyes were opened up and coming out of 2020. Our world was shaken up coming out of 2020. So I believe with all the questions that are, we're, we're asking right now and that are being asked around us, we just need to find the answers. And um, that's all that we're all working towards right now. I, I just think food is a beautiful thing. It represents the individuals and the individual's land of where they come from. And if we were to understand each other and the ingredients a lot more, it, it just, we would do a lot better.
2: I guess I would have to go for the non-cooking <laughs> recommendations oh, sure. to share some. Yeah, right now, I'm actually rereading I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings from Maya Angelou. I have not read that book in since I was a girl and just wanted to pick that back up and, and just... Get reimmersed into her again because my favorite authors are, you know, Maya Angelou, uh, Toni Morrison. I also am a huge fan when it comes cooking wise to Julia Child. So that's one cookbook. So, briefly, because we were talking about book recommendations, (laughs) the reason why I appreciate Julia so much is because how she did apologize at first, but how unapologetic she was in her truth. So, this wildly large brash American who goes across the pond and creates waves as a woman and actually did get that respect that means a whole lot. And when you look at the realm of our chef industry, how many women get that level of respect? Yeah, she was laughed at to some extent, but if you really look and you will, you have to appreciate what she truly accomplished. She deserves her just dues. And there's an amazing show that just came out, the Julia Child Challenge, which is really cool because their goal, they're like, there's a bunch of contestants, home cooks that are in a kitchen that are learning from her through her videos and also reflecting on their childhood memories from that. So I just think that's so, just a beautiful story, for one. And then also, you just learn so much from watching her, the different techniques that, that we now know about how to debone and and trust and everything else so they have to either recreate her dish or or, make a spin on it so it it just allows your creativity but it also teaches you the basics and that's what people don't always realize is that cooking is really just alphabets it's just abc if you know these things and you can follow it you can be amazing and then the other part that you know anthony Anthony bourdain teaches you is just pay a little more attention to the pretty stuff you
1: put on top and ask questions as well you'll
2: have a, a beautiful dish
1: it's my wife has a right And when I met her, I learned about tabbouleh, tzatziki, Mm -hmm. falafel, domas, gnocchi. gnocchi. I started making gnocchi at home, like my mind. If it wasn't for her, you would not have a chef Taj. It's a genuine show.
2: And for that, I have to thank Chopped, because that was, of course, the other show that we would, of course, highly recommend. That
1: I was on to as well.
2: But when we first got together, that was a show that he had not really watched, and I had got that from my mom and just loved watching it. And, and Top Chef. Yes, and then we just got into it, all just fell in love with cooking from that.
0: Jai and Danielle Cook. Thank you so much for joining the Love Thanks and Love for us, Thank you so much for the uh, events in February celebrating Black History Month. And I hope people check out Freedom Street Social. And this summer, yes. come down and check things out. Please. And I'm sure that we will partner up in the future again. Oh, so.
1: uh, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> for what's next. Thank you all at home for listening to the Love and Lovecast.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Loveland Libcast. If you'd like to contact us about the podcast, please reach out to Daniel at daniel.tate at cityofloveland.org. That's D-A-N-I-E-L dot T-A-T-E at cityofloveland.org. See you next time.